Well, our scripture this morning is going to be from Acts chapter 4, verses 8 to 13. Now, some of you may be wondering, if you've been around here for the last couple of months, is Paul stuck? We're reading from the same chapter of the, of the New Testament just about every week. We are. Uh, and, and I want to tell you how that came about. Tomorrow, this morning, we're talking about being filled with the Spirit. And this is one of those times where I was reading the New Testament, I was reading the book of Acts, and I started noticing things in chapter 3 and 4 that were foundational, and I kept reading it over and over again, and every time I read it, I saw something a little bit different that I'd sort of skipped over before that hadn't been highlighted, and this series came to mind that I really needed to sit for myself in Acts chapter 3 and 4 to understand some foundational concepts about why the early church grew so rapidly and why it went from a persecuted minority to within 300 years, it became the dominant faith throughout the known world. And there are principles that we are mining out week after week from Acts chapter 3 and 4 right now in this series that we're called, calling Faith Explosion. So I'd like to read again from Acts chapter 4, verses 8 to 13. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, that's the phrase we're going to focus on this morning, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed." Jesus is the stone the builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Join me in a prayer for a moment. Uh, two of the people we're going to be praying this, for this morning are Dave and Kelly Bailey. You may have noticed that Dave hasn't been up here a few times recently leading the worship team. And uh, they have taken a couple of trips down to Maryland where Kelly's only brother was failing and they managed to make it down this week just about 15 minutes before he died. And so they were able to hold his hand while he passed from this life. And so we're praying for them that God will support them and encourage them during this time. Father God, thank you for allowing us to come here together. We share many common thoughts and hopes when we gather here this morning. We want to learn something. We want to gain something from this experience together. We want to know you better. We want to know other people who are following you so that we can be encouraged, we can learn from each other. We want to know truth. We want to know truth in a way that sinks deep into our minds and hearts and souls. We want to know truth in a way that guides us through life and helps us make sense of this very confusing, complex world that we're in the midst of. And also, we want to have a sense that you are with us and that when we walk outside of these walls and we go back into the rest of life, that you are guiding us, that you are not just letting us sink or swim on our own, but that you are ordering our steps and that you are prompting thoughts in our minds about what you want us to do, who you want us to become, how you want us to deal with the different situations that we find ourselves in. We pray for your wisdom 
We pray for your leading. We pray that you will inspire us in some way. We pray that you will draw us closer to your heart. We pray that you'll give us peace with God, a peace that sets us free, a peace that allows us to know deep down inside that we are yours and that we are not forgotten by you and that you have a role for us and that we matter to you. Lord, we lift up those who we know are struggling in one way, shape, or form. Specifically, we pray for the Baileys this morning as uh, they have been walking Kelly's brother through these final days and, and ask that you give them strength and, and encouragement and that you will console them. We know that there are others who are part of our church family who are dealing with a sickness or an illness, and some of them are ongoing and they're debilitating, and some of them are short-term. We pray that they will find strength, that they will find healing. And God, we ask that you'll guide us in this time this morning. I ask that you'll guide me as well, and that your words will come forth. In Jesus' name, amen. On Tuesday, May 10th of this year, 2022, the Air Traffic Control Center at Fort Pierce, Florida, took an unusual call from an airline passenger. The passenger was in a a Cessna Grand Caravan and got on the intercom and said, I'm in a serious situation here. My pilot is incoherent and I have no idea how to fly a plane. The call came in around noon and the air traffic controller named Robert Morgan was on a break outside the tower. He was reading a book on his lunch break when a coworker rushed out and found him and said, there's a, a passenger flying a plane who's not a pilot. The pilot is incapacitated, so they need you to help try to land this plane. In the, wall, in the words of Wall Street Journal writer James Freeman, Morgan was the right man for the job. Now think of this, in addition to 20 years working in the control tower, Morgan was also a flight instructor with more than 1,200 hours of flight instruction under his belt. He quickly began to speak calming words to the man who found himself sitting in that pilot seat in the Cessna. And he gave the man step-by-step instructions. He knew from experience that if he could keep this man calm, point him to the runway, and then show him how to reduce power that he could lead him to land that plane successfully. And when the man landed the plane, Morgan even ran out onto the tarmac to greet him and to joyfully embrace this man who had just become his newest student. (laughs) Again, notice what Morgan did. He calmed the man down. He whispered step-by-step instructions to him over the intercom. He pointed him in the right direction and then warmly embraced him when he passed the test. Now, I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I need that kind of guidance. And I believe that there are times in all of our lives when we need exactly that kind of leadership and guidance in our lives. This morning, I want to tell you about the person whom God sends to give us that kind of guidance. So I truly hope that everyone in this room and everyone who's watching online today really hears and and really listens to this message because at many points in this journey of life, you are going to need the calming wisdom and the step-by-step guidance of this divinely provided spiritual advisor that God gives. Jesus called this advisor the Holy Spirit. 
This is part five of our Faith Explosion series where we're looking at principles that contributed to the spread of the Christian faith in the earliest years of the Christian church. Today's topic is led by the Spirit. Now, if you're one of those folks who says, I understand God, I understand Jesus, but the Holy Spirit I have never really figured out. I do not want you to feel weird or to think we're going to do something really strange. I actually, actually want you to feel encouraged because this is something that every Christian needs to understand more clearly. And so I hope that I can present this to you clearly this morning. So good morning. Welcome to North River Church. I'm glad you're with us today. This is one of those Sundays when I believe that we are going to learn some information that is absolutely essential for preparing us for those times when the challenges are tough or when something immediate comes your way when you need the guidance of God. And I'm really glad that you are here wherever you may be. As Todd mentioned, there are three ways to connect with us. If you have questions about what you're hearing this morning, you can take out your phone and scan that QR code on the front of your seat if you're here in the room. Go to North River Church forward slash visit. You can fill out a connection card. You could walk over to the, connection, the uh, welcome center over here and ask for a connection card. They'll give you one. Or just send me an email, paul at northriverchurch.org. Love to follow up with you. Acts 4.8 that we read a moment ago begins with this statement. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. What is that all about? Here's the question that I have when I was reading that. Is this something that was just for the apostles? In other words, something historic that we read about that had all to do with the past? Or is it possible that God wants to fill you and me at times with the Holy Spirit of God when we face our greatest challenges? I'm going to break this into two parts. First, we're going to talk about who is the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to talk about what happens when we are led by the Spirit. So two things about who is the Holy Spirit. First, the Bible reveals God in three persons. I know I'm going all the way back to the beginning, but we always have beginners here every Sunday, so this is a good reminder for a lot of us. The Bible begins with these words in the opening book, Genesis. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. We don't have time this morning to do a full theology of the Holy Spirit, but whenever someone is new to faith or checking things out, it helps to give a quick overview. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. It literally means beginnings, so it's explaining some of the beginnings. How did we get here? How did all this get here? So the first thing we discover in Genesis is a God who created all that we see. Verse 1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And immediately after that we're told about the Spirit of God who is not necessarily God the Creator but still part of God. There's a Spirit of God who is hovering over the waters. So we have God the Creator and God the Spirit and then verse 3 tells us that God brings light into the world and even, this is even before the creation of the sun, the moon, and the stars. And by the time we get to John's gospel in the New Testament, John begins with that same phrase, in the beginning, and then he describes Jesus as the light of the world who brings light into darkness and through whom everything that was made that has been made. And that puts Jesus back at the moment of creation as the directing hand of God in every aspect of the creative process. So here we are, we're only three verses into the Bible and we have God the Creator, we have God the Spirit, and we have Jesus as the light of the world who is involved in the creative process. 
The second clue we have about the Holy Spirit also comes from the first chapter of Genesis in verses 26 and 27. This is where God says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Notice that God uses plural pronouns in that image statement about being created in our image, in our likeness. We wonder, who is God talking about? Who's in the hour? Well, this is the second clue. It's that clue about the Creator, God the Spirit, and Jesus as the light of the world. If the Lord was introducing himself to people for the first time, perhaps he would list his pronouns as he, him, and us, our. It'd be very much in vogue with our day. All of those pronouns are used to describe the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It is not a what. It is a who. It is a real person. Here we discover this idea of the complexity within unity of God. And as theologians worked together to put all this together, they came up with the idea of the Trinity to explain what they were seeing in Scripture, that there's one God who reveals himself in three distinct persons, the Father Creator, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, the Son who takes on flesh and who walked among us. That's why we sing that ancient song, God in three persons, blessed trinity. It's, it's, it's a way of reinforcing that theology of this one God who meets us in three persons. This is one of the core historic beliefs of Christian faith. Okay, so the first thing we learn is that God reveals himself in three persons. The second is that the Holy Spirit is God's way of being present with you. I've met a number of people over the years who said, I get Jesus, I, I get God, but I don't understand the Holy Spirit. I just skip all that when you talk about it. I have news for you. It is essential that if you are a growing Christian that you also understand how the Holy Spirit is for you and that we don't just skip out. Here's Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14 in the New Testament. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So here's this very Trinitarian statement. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He talks about God the Father sending the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth, who will be with you and in you in you. These are profound statements. The Holy Spirit, Jesus is telling us, is how God dwells with us every day at all times. It is how the presence of God can be with you and guide you and comfort you every single day. And so Jesus tells his disciples, you will know him, he lives with you, he will be in you. This is what we call the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Every single person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, Lord, leader, and guide, however you work out those terms, is filled with the Holy Spirit through something that the disciples called a spiritual birth. In other words, there was a before and there's an after. And after this spiritual awakening, the Holy Spirit is with you and, and guiding you. But we can either be more aware of that or less aware of that and how the Holy Spirit guides you and whether we take advantage of that has a lot to do with whether we are aware and sensitive and open and listening to the Holy Spirit's guidance. Notice how the Holy Spirit functions. Jesus, the key word that Jesus used to describe the Holy Spirit is this. 
He's an advocate. What a great word, an advocate. What is an advocate? It's someone who's on your side. It's someone who takes up your case. It is someone who stands beside you when you need help or when you are in trouble. The New Testament uses a word in the Greek language that is, is uh, anglicized into the, the concept of a paraclete. So in, in the ancient language, the paraclete was something that was taken from a military term in the Greek world. It talked about a, a partner in battle. So imagine two soldiers, they've got a shield and a sword, and they're standing there ready for battle. And the paraclete was your partner who was standing in a mirror opposite position and covered your backside, your blind side that you couldn't see. So the paraclete was that partner in battle on a two-man team where they covered each other in their, in their weakest points. It's a great image. Let me give you another one. A missionary to one of the African tribal nations was trying to translate this concept into another language. And he noticed that some, there were some men carrying large, heavy water jars on their heads. And they would have to travel a couple of miles down to the river. They'd carry these, these water jars back. And as the missionary was walking with them, he noticed that they had all these men with these large jars. They're walking. And there was one guy who didn't have any jar. And he said, what, what's going on with that guy? How come you're all carrying the load and this guy doesn't have a jar? I said, oh, his job is if, if one of us stumbles and falters and we're about to go down with that water jar, that he falls with us and takes the jar and puts it on his head and they switch roles. He said, oh, that's a neat concept. He said, yeah, and they had a word for it in that language. It was the one who falls with us. It's a great concept. And that's the word that they used in that language to translate this concept of the advocate. It's the one who falls down when we fall down and picks up the load and cares. I like that. I don't know about you, but I need somebody like that every once in a while in my life. When I fall, when the load is too great, when I'm crushed by the emotional weight of whatever's going on, and I need the presence of God in my life at that moment to help me when I'm about to stumble and when I can't take the next step, that's when the Holy Spirit steps in. And there's some of you nodding at me because you know exactly what that's like when you're in those moments when all of a sudden God gives you a strength that you didn't have before. Whether that is a physical strength, an intellectual strength, an emotional strength, a mental strength, but all of a sudden you have the ability to take the next step and not be crushed by the weight of what you're carrying. That's the Holy Spirit. Here's the idea that I want to get across this morning. When we are sensitive to the Spirit's leading, He will guide our words and actions to glorify Jesus. Let's talk about the second part of this message. We've talked a little bit about who is the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about what happens when we are led by the Spirit. Three things. First, the Spirit will lead you to acts of kindness. So, notice what happens here. If we go back to Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness, if you've got a pen out, circle those three words, an act of kindness, four words, shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, and he goes on. So, let's go back. When Peter and John got out of bed that day, they had no idea that this event would occur. As they were making their way three o'clock in the afternoon, to pray with a group of other Christians. There are only a fledgling band of Christians, just a few thousand of them at that point in the world. They were headed to the temple courts after work. 
And as they were going toward one of the gates to the temple, they saw this man sitting by the side of the road begging for coins. They realized that he'd been lame. He'd never walked in his entire life. Friends had to carry him and put him there in order for him to be there. And in the name of Jesus, Peter says, silver or gold I don't have, but what I do have I'll give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. And the man not only walked, but... We read he was jumping and leaping for joy and praising God openly. And that act, just outside the temple, as well as Peter's preaching, got them in trouble. The Holy Spirit regularly prompts Jesus' followers to do things that bring praise to God. Because God is always trying to bring people to an awareness of his presence so that they can know him. Now, this doesn't need to be something that's miraculous. This week, I opened a card that came in the mail here to the church. It was from a a woman who was helped by one of the serving teams on our big event on, on September 11th. And she specifically wanted to thank Paul and April Short and Rich and Chris Dontremont and their family for the work that they did in helping her. And it's just filled with praise inside this card and then a donation to the church and just saying, thank you. Some events prompted by the Holy Spirit will be planned like this one was, like all of the events on that particular day. Others may be spontaneous. A few years ago, I I heard a, a friend who was explaining how he was trying to increase his sensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so for a whole week, he would start off early in the morning, he'd read a few uh, verses or chapters in his Bible, and then he would pray to God, and then he would sit there and say, okay, God, make me aware of your Holy Spirit Guide me today in some way that lets me know that you are active in my life. I'm available. Turns out that day didn't go as he hoped. It began to snow early in the day, and then it began to snow really hard. And he was driving to get home and get out of the store when he felt the Holy Spirit impress this thought on him. Turn in here. I want you to turn in here. He thought, no, I want to get off the road. I want to go home as far as I can turn in here. And so he did, and he turned in, and it led him into a a small shopping area, like a a mini mall type of thing. And he, again, had this sense the Spirit was telling him, drive down this lane. And so he fought the urge, but he did it anyway. And then the Spirit whispered to him two words that came through loud and clear, over there. He looked, and he didn't see anything. He stopped his car, and he parked. And this time, when he just sat and looked, Through the snow, he could see an elderly woman standing on the corner just under an awning, and she was unsure about how to traverse what had all of a sudden become very difficult territory. There were eight to ten inches of snow that had fallen, and she'd been working in the store. And so he rolled on his window, and he said, Do you need some help? And she said, Yes, I do. And he walked over, and he he said... um, Hi, you know, he gave his name, and she said, I was just standing here praying that God would help me because I'm afraid of falling in the snow. And he said, well, I'm not sure how to do this. Is it okay if I pick you up? And she said, yeah. And she didn't have boots on, so he picked her up in a fireman's carry, and he carried her across the parking lot to her car and helped her get into her car, and she drove off. And after he, you know, wiped everything off and got her going, and he sat in his car, and he thought, God, this is how you do that wow, you have one of your children sitting in some part of the world saying, God, I want to be used today. I'm available. Show me that you're really in my life. 
And you have another one of your children sitting in another place saying, God, I don't know how to do this. I'm I'm afraid I'm going to fall and I'm going to get hurt. Nobody will be there to help me. Send somebody to help me. And God redirects this one person. It only took five or ten minutes out of his day. But it made all the difference in terms of sensing God has a purpose for me. God wants to use me. God wants to use me, of all people, for somebody who is in trouble. God, the Holy Spirit, does that. When we are sensitive to the Spirit's leading, He will guide our words and our actions to glorify Jesus. So He will lead you into acts of kindness. Here's a second way that the Holy Spirit is involved in our lives. The Spirit will lead you to glorify Jesus. So we go back to that same verse and a little bit further. Verse 8 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, that's the key phrase, said to them, Jumped ahead to verse 10. Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone the builders rejected who has become the cornerstone. And then he adds something. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There was a direct tie or direct correlation between being filled with the Holy Spirit and Peter's living out of the kingdom mission that God had given him. We see this in the words of Peter here. Filled with the Holy Spirit, we find Peter doing four things. Honoring the name of Jesus, illuminating the cross-centered mission of Jesus, revealing the prophetic role of Jesus, and declaring the uniqueness of Jesus. Did you know that the Holy Spirit has a mission? God the Father sends Jesus and sends the Holy Spirit. Jesus glorifies God the Father, always points us toward the Father, fulfills fulfills His redemptive plan, and invites people into fellowship with God, friendship with God, and partnership with God. The Holy Spirit does a whole bunch of things. He illuminates the Scriptures. He glorifies Jesus. He emboldens and equips His people. He communicates truth, and he serves as our guide and act and, and advocate. This kind of help isn't just for people who stand in front of crowds like Peter was doing that day. There are days when a person you work with has questions about life or faith or purpose, and you may not have figured it all out, but you know some core truth about Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you based on what you already know to be true when Someone says, there's something different in your life. There's a change that's happening. I see something in you. I wish I had what I see in you. And sit quietly and be open to how the Spirit will nudge you or whisper to you along the way. Third, the Spirit will lead you to acts of kindness. The Spirit will lead you to glorify or magnify Jesus based on what you know of Jesus already. Third, the Spirit will guide your words. I trust this every single Sunday. I often pray, Lord, you know, don't let my words that are just me wash out over people. Let those be forgotten, but whatever connects with your word, let that be something that sinks in deeply. Back to the Holy Spirit's mission and how he functions. Part of the Holy Spirit's God-given mission is to guide the words of Jesus' followers. 
No, that doesn't mean that everything that every Christian says comes from the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that everything that every pastor says comes from the Holy Spirit. It does mean that when we ask, the Holy Spirit will bring words of truth to mind. The filling of the Holy Spirit is an extra measure of the Holy Spirit that equips us for roles that God gives us on a momentary basis. It's not meant to last forever. There are times when you may be, feel filled with the Holy Spirit and times when you don't, but you know this Holy Spirit is still there working. And there are times when you have this powerful sense that the Holy Spirit is using you. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. Peter and John already had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We saw that in Acts chapter 2, but here there was a, an extra filling, an extra measure that God had given them for this moment. Luke who is the writer of both the Gospel of Luke and also of the Acts of the Apostles, so the book that we're studying here, no doubt remembered what Jesus had promised earlier. In Luke chapter 12, we find Jesus telling his disciples, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. In other words, there are moments when God is going to use you or me far beyond anything that we ever prepared for if we're just willing and we're available and we're open. I love the words Jesus says here. Do not worry about what you will say or how you will defend yourself. Now, that doesn't mean that we should never prepare our minds for whatever may come. In fact, the better that you know God's Word, the better you will be prepared Peter had obviously memorized Psalm 118.22, which he cites in this speech. That, that's where he, he speaks of the stone the builders rejected becoming the cornerstone. But when we are prepared, the Holy Spirit can bring truths that we have already meditated on or memorized or, or somehow spent time thinking about, and he can bring those truths to mind at just the right moment. And every word of Scripture is already inspired by the Holy Spirit, so he can use it all. How do we become filled with the Holy Spirit? Uh, one problem with that is that you and I do not control or manipulate the Holy Spirit. He is sent by God. But we can spend time with Jesus, read his word, take his word in, and we can ask the Holy Spirit to guide our words and our thoughts each day and to equip us as he sees fit and then quiet down at various times in the day in order to hear or to sense and to listen when the Holy Spirit is directing. And He will. It's not just for the apostles. It has nothing to do with which spiritual gifts you get or you don't get. So it's not the same thing as any one of the spiritual gifts. It's something that God does regularly over and over for His children and it's a greater sense of the presence of God through His Spirit guiding you with the gifts and knowledge that He's already given you and empowering you for the moment. Do not be afraid of the idea that God wants to use you because He will. He uses ordinary and average people. One of the things that we've been studying here about Peter and John, they were unschooled, ordinary men, and that's what caused so much surprise from the educated religious elite of that day. And God will use you and me too. When we are sensitive to the Spirit's leading, He will guide our words and actions to glorify Jesus. Let's go out and experiment.
Let's go out and be available. Let's go out and ask the Holy Spirit. Let me know how you are present in my life. Lead me to something or someone where I fulfill your mission this week. I'd love to hear the stories. If we were to open up every one of the next seven days that way, I'd love to hear the stories next Sunday of what God does. Let's pray. God, thank you for these words of Scripture that tell us about how you worked in the lives of the disciples and the apostles, for they encourage us to believe that you are still at work today. So many of us are simply opening up right now and saying, Holy Spirit, fill me this week for something you want me to say or something you want me to do. I'm available. In Jesus' name, amen.